God gives us these three times because it lines our lives back up so that he can open the window of heaven and pour us out such a blessing spiritually, financially, that there won't be room enough to receive it. Now, in a couple weeks, God will open up the window of Pentecost or the window of uh, Shavuot. Now, on Pentecost or Shavuot in Hebrew, that's the time, the first, the first celebration is when Israel came out of Egypt and 50 days later, God met with everybody and gave the world the Bible. It was the beginning of Judaism. When Jesus died on the cross and rose again, 50 days later, remember Jesus said, don't you leave until you get the Holy Spirit. And what does the Bible say? When the day of what? Pentecost had fully come, they were in one mind and one accord. Even though they were followers of Jesus, they still, just as Jesus did, understood these times of miracles. Now, look with me in Leviticus chapter 23. Look at verse 15. It says, And you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you have brought the sheaves of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths, or seven weeks, 49 days, shall be completed. Count 50 days to the day after the seven Sabbaths, then you shall offer a new grain offering unto the Lord. You shall bring from your habitations two wave loaves of two tenths of an ephah, and they shall be a fine flour, and they shall be baked with leaven, and they are the first fruits of the Lord. Now let me just say this real quick. Most of you understand this. On Passover, our, and I really don't like to say Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, on that day, the day that Israel was delivered from bondage, the day that Jesus rose from the dead and you and I are delivered from bondage, 50 days later, God gave the Bible and God gave the Holy Spirit. Now, the rabbinical question that we're explaining to you and I is why did God wait 50 days? The answer, and we've gone over this last few weeks, but the answer is when Israel came out of Egypt or when you and I got saved, we didn't know how to serve God. Or could I put it this way? We didn't know how to act like Christians. You got to realize when Israel was in Egypt, um, they weren't living for God. They had forgotten how to be the children of God. And so the, the rabbinical teaching is that they were down to the lowest type of character there is. And it took them seven Sabbaths or 49 days to go from acting like the Egyptians or acting like the world or acting like a slave to acting like a child of God where they could receive the Holy Spirit, or they could receive the Word of God. A great example is, how did you, how were you and I acting when we first got saved? You know, and I know this throws people, but the night I got saved, I went out and bought a bag of dope to celebrate. (laughs) 
Now, obviously, I haven't smoked dope in weeks. But you know, you know where the Bible says God winks at our sins? When I first got saved, God didn't wink. He went. Now, hopefully, I know better now that I've been saved for 35 years than I did 35 minutes after I got saved. But the thing that I really want you to hear, I want you to get this. Guys, we're living in the most exciting time in the history of the Bible. The most exciting time. As a matter of fact, and, 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 and excuse me if I've repeated this too many times, but, but for new people that are watching us live and new people that are here, the rabbis, the rabbinical prophecies are saying this Pentecost or this Shavuot, which is the beginning of the financial and spiritual new year, the number 11 in Hebrew means either the judgment of God or the abundance and overflow. And I, I vote you and I don't get the judgment of God, but we get the abundance and overflow. Amen? And, and so what we need to understand is, is we go from Passover, we go from, Pentec- or from um, Resurrection Sunday, and the reason why God does this three times a year is to wake us up. You know, that teaching that he's going to come as a thief in the night, and he's going to surprise everybody. He's only going to surprise those that aren't listening. Amen? The Bible says, I'm wicked compared to how good our Heavenly Father is. You know, I didn't get saved because I was afraid God was going to get me. I really didn't. I didn't get saved because I was afraid I was going to go to hell. Now, maybe, maybe that's why you got saved. And whatever reason you got saved for, thank God you got saved. But I, I didn't get saved because I was afraid someday I'd go to hell. I'm from South St. Louis. Bring it on. I got saved because I was tired of living in hell. Amen. And yeah, when I got saved, I stopped doing the, the big sins and, you know, and, and, you know, uh, uh, you know, all the big things. But what this is about is not just that. What this is about, this time between Pentecost, or between Passover and Pentecost, what's it about, what it's, it's about is God wants to open over you the window of heaven. And this period of time is one of the ways when he says, I will bring to you some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. I believe this year God wants to bring, you know, 30 fold's great, 60 fold's great, but how many believe 100 fold's greater? This is a time, the 50 days is about checking our character. Now, we talked about this the last couple weeks, and without rehearsing that, the first thing in checking our character, they were slaves, now they're free. The first thing is, the, the, is in order to even begin this journey, ancient Jewish wisdom says, you must be full of joy. Church ought to be the place that people smile more than anything else. The joy of the Lord is what? 
It's your strength. Now, I'm not going to get into it, but if, if you haven't heard it, you really need to get the, the teaching on it. The Lord gives us a tremendous illustration. He said, because you did not serve God with joy. Listen, God is not this bad, mean, angry guy looking to get you. It's Satan who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's God who's come to give you life and that life more abundant. Why is joy so... No, the scripture says, because you did not serve me in joy, it opened the gate for your enemy to destroy you. So you can't let anybody or anything steal your joy. You know, and without getting into too much, ancient, ancient Jewish wisdom says, why is joy so important? Why is the joy of the Lord your strength? Because when, when the devil steals your joy, it's a sign you no longer believe God is in control. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good. You know, I remember hearing a preacher when I first got saved say, you know, get happy. And the old, the old man said, I am happy. He said, well, tell your face because it hasn't found it out yet. We need to be people of great joy. All things work together for good. Can I have an amen? The second thing, in, and there's no way we can deal with all of these things coming into Pentecost. So we're going to carry it forward after Pentecost because, because these are things that we need to have in our life. The next thing, the first week, is when we deal with kindness. The, Jesus said, I've not come to do away with the law, but I've come to show you how to make it work. And then he goes right in to say, when they see your good works... They will glorify your Father in heaven. Tiz said it the other day. She said, everywhere you go, preach the gospel. And if you have to, open your mouth. In other words, when you go around and you're not this religious stick in the mud. We're not these religious, thus saith the Lord thy God. In these re-. When we go around and we are just kind to people in a world that gets all they can, can all they get, and sit on the lid. When you and I go around showing acts of kindness, they're going to want to know, why are you so nice? You know, religious people can be some of the most negative and mean people on the face of the earth. Religious people, but not Christians. You know what Christian means, don't you? Christ-like. It was the religious people who said, this woman was counting the act of adultery. It was Jesus said, woman, where are your accusers? None here, Lord, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. See, that's Christ. The acts of kindness. And remember, remember what we taught? One, you know, we, we're calling this series the game of life. You can win when you know the rules. And when I was studying this in, in, in ancient Jewish wisdom, the number one rule. Remember, remember the movie City Slickers? He was looking for that one thing. Remember that? Oh, I know. You're all so holy. You don't go to the movies. <laughs> remember that? Remember they said there's one thing. Well, in, in, in biblical teaching, this is the number one thing. This is the number one thing. Be not deceived. 
God will not, nobody will say, you said you'd do it and you won't do it. God will not be mocked in this. Whatever you sow, you're going to get back. If you're mean and grumpy and nasty and negative, that's what's going to come into your life. You're a magnet to that. That's why the Bible says a man goes to sleep, wakes up and said, where did this harvest come from? And the Bible says you planted the seed. So if you, if, but if you sow, if you sow seeds of kindness and seeds of joy and seeds of happiness, guess what is going to multiply and come back into your life? Joy and happiness and kindness. We, we, we are to be the kindest, happiest people on the planet. Rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice. All right, the third thing that I want to look at t- today, well, let me, let me show you something here. Look at, look at verse 15 again. I meant to say it last week and I forgot. Look at verse 10, 15. It says, you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath. Without getting into this too much, I'll teach more on it next week. But without getting into that too much, that's a very, very powerful statement in the original Hebrew. And for those of you that are visiting or watching, I, I read the, the text and I study with the folks that have the original words. And it's a very powerful statement. From the day of Pentecost, or day of Passover to the day of Pentecost, from Passover to Shavuot, where God will open the window of heaven and pour you out wisdom, anointing, and prosperity. And those are all three. You can't have prosperity without wisdom, and you can't have wisdom without anointing. And God anoints you that everything you put your hands to, it will prosper. So this is pretty important stuff. This is a pretty important time to get ourselves lined up. But when it says here, you shall count for yourselves... The Hebrew meaning of that is, God won't do this for you. God won't make you happy. You have to make yourself happy. God won't stop you from being a grump. You have to stop being a grump. God won't make you kind. You have to count for yourselves to be kind. It's, it's, the, it's the Hebrew word, lachim. Which means don't just count the days, but make the days count. Can we go to number three? The third thing in changing our character and preparing ourselves for the windows of heaven to be open has to do with the area of forgiveness. Go with me to Matthew chapter 6. Now this is, this is something that we, we talk about all the time of Christians being people who are full of forgiveness. But you got to understand that when God is talking here about forgiveness, he's talking to us as adults, not little children. Say, well, pastor, what do you mean? Well, for example, the boys, my grandsugars, the twins, they're six years old. And if they're fighting, mom or dad will go, tell your brother you're sorry. And they go, sorry. Tell your brother you're sorry. Sorry. Give your brother a hug. And then next thing, it's over. But in the area of forgiveness with adults, it ain't so easy. There's a little bit more to it. Read with me the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, real quick, verse, verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day your daily bread. Forgive us our debts and we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from, from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Now, I'm going to do a series this fall on the Hebrew understanding of the Lord's Prayer. Because it's very, very Jewish. But I want you to notice something. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Man, when you pray, blind eyes open. When you pray, storm stop. When you pray, gold coins come out of fish's mouth. Lord, teach us how to pray. Now, you got to understand, these are Jews. They've been taught to pray since they could talk. But they're seeing something different in what Jesus is saying. So you got to understand, there's no power in saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. There's no power in that. There's no power in parroting those words. I mean, it's okay to do that, but the power is not in the saying. The power is in the revelation of it. When we lived in Australia, I, we had a cockatoo. And I taught the cockatoo when people walked in, he'd go, pay your tithes. <laughs> pay your tithes. He could say it, but he didn't understand it. The power is in this. It's not just a saying. You understand what I'm saying? It's not just a prayer that God's given us. Say this prayer. It's the revelation. When you pray, say, Father. And he goes through, when you do this, when you pray, do this. And so he goes through this tremendous, tremendous revelation. We'll do it this fall. But then after he's done showing it, look at verse 14. 14. He comes back to something. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Everybody say if. How many have sinned? Now don't raise your hand yet. How many have sinned at least a half a time since you've received Jesus as your Savior? And before you raise your hand, understand lying is a sin also. How many have sinned since you've known Jesus as your Savior? I, I haven't. I just did that to kind of flow with you. So if, if, if we've sinned, it blocks God's blessing. We're, 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 not, we're saved, man. We're, we're going to heaven. But we're talking about getting heaven here. We're talking about life and life more abundantly here. Thy kingdom come. And so here the Lord says is, my mercy is fresh every morning. Now that didn't give us a license to sin every morning. Or every night, so his mercy is fresh every morning. It's just saying, if you fall, if you make a mistake, which we'll do, there's none righteous, no, not one, we're going to make a mistake. But if we make a mistake, his mercy is fresh every morning, but this time, on the first time we ask for forgiveness and receive Jesus, there's no condition. But on this one, there's a condition. The condition is, I'll forgive you if you forgive others. If you don't forgive others, I still love you, you're still going to heaven, but I cannot forgive that sin that's blocking your blessing. Now look what it says. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. Now I want you to see how important this is. 
Here, here the Lord says, when you pray, say our Father. Here he says, praise, hallowed be thy name, praise my name. Here he says, authority, teaching us about authority. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's the authority and dominion. Uh, give us this day our daily bread. He's talking about provision. He's talking about the connection with Shabbat and the two loaves. He's talking about, and then he says, and, and forgive your debtors and I'll forgive you. He's done with everything. But he comes back. He doesn't come back to praying to the Father. He doesn't come back to your authority and your dominion. He doesn't come back to prosperity. He comes back to only one thing, and that's you forgiving other people. Now, if you remember what I taught you, in Hebrew, in ancient Jewish wisdom, and this is a Jewish book about a Jewish Messiah, that has Jewish secrets. In ancient Jewish wisdom, whenever you see something spoken twice in a row, repeated, it's because there is a mystery or there is a secret that God wants you to understand. So here something is not only repeated twice in a row, it's repeated three times. Now, let me just say this as simply as I can. Ancient Jewish wisdom teaches us that life is, and I was thinking about how's the best way to explain that. You reap what you sow. Life is a boomerang. You know, and I meant, I was writing this down and I meant to tell Tiz, because we've got, we pastored for six years in Australia, and we've got some boomerangs. How many remember what a boomerang is? A boomerang is sent out. But the neat thing about a boomerang is the way it's meant, the way it's built, it goes, and I've seen people that didn't know what they're doing, throw it out and go. <laughs> Everything you and I send out, we, we have a saying, what goes around, comes around. And there's never more true than this. This is so powerful. Say, well, pastor, somebody really hurt me. I know they did. Somebody really lied about me or said this or said that. I know they did. But don't let that hurt become something that literally damages your life and your future for the rest of your life. How many of you were really, really sinners before you got saved? Come on, raise your hand. Come on. I'm not saying you were a big sinner. When when Tiz and I first got married, you know, I'm from South St. Louis. Tiz is from uh, Leave it to Beaver Land. You know, Tiz, oh, my family's having a family reunion. She'd be crying, my family's having a family reunion. You had to come armed. I mean, I met her family. I thought they were faking. It was like Ward and uh, June and, and, and Beaver and Wally. I mean, they're really good. And so Tiz would testify. She said, I, I was a nickel sinner and Larry was a million-dollar sinner. Well, you know, if you, I, someday I'm going to write a book because I know the truth about Tiz. And she was at least a buck fifty, a buck seventy-five. But it doesn't matter if you're a dollar sinner or a million dollar sinner. We all need equally the grace of God. Correct? Right? Doesn't doesn't matter if you got saved out of prison or you got saved out of a pew. Doesn't matter. We all need to be saved. 
And as long as we're still here on earth, there's going to come a time. This is not an excuse. It's just reality. There's coming, you know, if, if you were perfect, if you never needed forgiveness again, you'd be like Enoch who was and was not, but you still is, so you ain't. Is that right? So here's the deal. There's going to be some time you're going to need to ask God forgiveness. You're going to eat it. God, Father, forgive me. Here's the amazing thing about forgiveness. Forgiveness is the only sin in which it doesn't just involve you and God. It involves three parties. It involves the one that does it. It involves the one who has done too. And it involves then our Heavenly Father. But here's the amazing thing about forgiveness. Is if you do something to hurt somebody, God cannot forgive you until you go to the person that you hurt. Now, I don't want a line lined up after church. Let me throw this in. If they don't know you hurt them, don't say anything. I've been in church services and testimonies. I want to ask Bob to forgive me because I said this. And Bob said, you said what? (laughs) If Bob don't know, don't say nothing. But if you've hurt somebody, a husband, a wife, you know, it's such a fallacy. Say, love never says I'm sorry. No, love always says I'm sorry. It always says I'm sorry. But the amazing thing about this is God can't forgive you. Let's say, let's say you hurt a, a husband or you hurt a wife or you hurt a business partner. You did something and you say, Lord, I know I did wrong. Forgive me. God says, yeah, I will. But first you got to go to that person. You know, I, I was reading this, the teaching on this, and, and a rabbi was quoting uh, some psychology. And they say the, one of the hardest things, if not the hardest thing in the world, is for someone to go to someone they know and say, forgive me for the wrong thing that I did. They said it's one of the hardest things in all, all, all of life. It's even harder than public speaking. And I was reading that, and I said, Absolutely. God made it that way. How many want to be blessed 2011? If you've wronged somebody, you got to go to them. you got 10 days. Now, actually, this comes up. This is the only one that comes up twice a year because it's... Whenever you see two things together, it's because God wants to reveal a secret. Man, there are people here. God is ready to open that window and pour you out such a blessing. There won't be room enough to receive it. But you've got to go to that person. You say, that's so hard to do. It's supposed to be hard to do. Why? So the next time you're thinking about doing it, you go, I'm going to have to do this all over again. How many want God to forgive you? Then you need to go to somebody. But here's the flip side. I got five minutes to tell you this. Here's the flip side. The flip side is, is that, okay, the person who did it, you got to get it right. You got, you got 10 days to get it right. You better make a phone call and say, man, I'm sorry. You know, we've been fighting for the last 75 years. I'm sorry. But the other side is you're the aggrieved party. If you don't forgive, what they did to you multiplies, and and I don't have time to teach it. The, The scriptures say you become a bitter person. 
Now, don't point to anybody, but how many have ever met a bitter Christian? Listen, I, real quick, let me do this. And we'll, we'll get to it. I'm going to have to continue this next week. In Ephesians chapter 4, it warns us. Don't turn there. It warns us about being bitter. And I started thinking about this. Think about the word bitter. He's a bitter man. She's a bitter woman. Think about the word bitter. Bitter defeat. Bitter failure. Not just defeat. Bitter defeat. Not just failure. Bitter failure. Not just um, uh, bitter loss. Bitter loss. Bitter person. Um, bitter words. I have bitter enemies. But I fought to the bitter end. <laughs> what, what a trick of the devil. He sends somebody to attack you. To try to steal your joy. And instead of having the joy of the Lord as your strength. This attack ends up being a tool of the devil. You didn't do anything but now you've become bitter. And that bitterness multiplies the pain in your life. We're not bitter people. We're the children of God. Can I have an amen? I didn't get to any of it. I didn't get to get any of it. I'm going to have to do part two next week. How many know where to forgive and not be bitter? But I have to end it with this. I read this joke. If you can't, if you can't, get, uh, if you can't get rid of bitter, here's a good way to get revenge. It's a joke. After 17 years of marriage, a man dumped his wife for a younger woman. Their downtown luxury apartment was in his name, and he wanted to remain there with his new bride. So he asked his wife to move out and told her that he would buy her another place. The wife agreed to this, but asked that she be given three days on her own in the apartment to pack her things and prepare to go. While he was gone, the first day she lovingly put her personal belongings into boxes and crates and suitcases. On the second day, she moved. She called the movers and had her move, uh, come and collect and move all of her things. On the third day, she sat down for the last time at their candlelit dining table, soft music playing in the background, feasted on a pound of shrimp, and nice things to drink. And when she finished, she went into each room and deposited a few uh, resulting shrimp shells into the hollow shafts of every rod curtain in every room. She then cleaned up the kitchen and moved. The husband came back with his new bride, and all was bliss for the first few days. Then it started, slowly but surely, Clueless, the couple could not explain why the place smelled so bad. So they tried everything. They brought in cleaners. They cleaned. They mopped. They aired the place out. They put in new carpet, new upholstery. Vents were checked for dead rodents. Carpets were changed and removed. And on and on it went for a year. Finally, they gave up, lost money on the apartment, and moved. The moving company arrived and did a very professional packing job, taking everything to their brand new home, including the curtain rods.
But we don't want to get even. We want to get better. Can I have an amen? I like to have every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around real quick. You know, the greatest way to remember how to forgive is by receiving the forgiveness that we get through Almighty God. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, no one's looking around. Before I even give an altar call for salvation, how many are here right now and you'd say, Pastor Larry, I need to ask God to forgive me for not forgiving. I've got, I've got an, uh, uh, an issue. I've got an anger. I've got, to a certain degree, some bitterness in my life. And I want it gone. I want the windows of heaven opened up over me. Lift your hand up and say, Pastor, I need to move on with my life. I need to let go. Hands are going up literally all over. I understand that. I understand that. Put your hands down. How many are here right now and say, Pastor, I've never known the joy of forgiveness. I've never received Jesus as my Savior, asking him to forgive me of my sins. We've all sinned, big sin, nickel sin, or million-dollar sin. Jesus said, come unto me, all oh, you're the heavy laden and labor, and I'll give you rest. Or maybe you knew it one time, but you fell away. And you'd say, Pastor Larry, you know what? I don't know that God would ever take me back. You're still here. You're still alive. You still have a heart. God's married to the one who falls away. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Just there in your seat. I'm not going to bring you forward, but you say, Pastor, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior for the first time, or I need to come back to the Lord. Lift your hand up and hold it there one moment where I can see it. Just lift it up real high. I see that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. Keep it up, please. I see that hand, I see that hand. Hands are going up everywhere. Would you stand with me all over the building? Stand with me. You know, when we're dealing with bitterness, it's not dealing with... Well, pastor, this, this really happened to me. Of course it did. We're not negating that it didn't happen. We're just saying, don't let the enemy pile on to you the root of bitterness. The joy of the Lord's your strength. Let go and let God open up over you the windows of the kingdom of heaven. Can I have an amen? Let's lift our hands together. Let's all pray this together. Say out loud. Say, Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now say this with authority. Satan, get out of my life. Get out of my mind. Get out of my spirit. Get out of my body. Get out of my home, my family, my finances. I declare in the name, by the blood, every curse is reversed. Joy is mine. Peace is mine. Happiness is mine. Forgiveness is mine. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now wait, if you're going to have the best year of your life so far, starting right now, give the Lord a great big shout. We love you. God bless you.